Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing on this uh, brand spanking day one of a brand new month that is February 1st, 2022, coming to you live on this uh, Tuesday evening. Hope all and everyone is doing great. And that uh, you guys are having an exceptional Tuesday, as I am having uh, some kind of a Tuesday. Uh, it's been one of those interesting uh, ways to end the month, start the month. Ah, we'll take it either way. You know, you gotta take it some way, ladies and gentlemen, but either way... Uh, allow Mr. C to stop being so cryptic. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new edition of the C Report. I, your host, Mr. C, I'm ready to deliver unto thee the news, ladies and gentlemen, or at least uh, as curated through my uh, my own personal personages and, uh, you know, a curatorial ship. Uh, we'll see what we got. Ah, quiet, you see what we got in store for you guys tonight. Uh, a, a fairly simple, I would say, fairly simple uh, report for you guys today. Maybe not so simple. You know, I tend to get uh, lost in the mix or just uh, too caught up in all of these things that, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, you know, uh, it just it just goes in its own direction sometimes. But uh, welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are doing episode two hundred and thirty-seven today. Uh, we are uh, going to be talking to you guys about some uh, election stuff going on today. Some more uh, instances where election integrity might actually uh, seem to be pulling through as uh, the topic of election integrity and proving the fraud. We're going to prove who the liars are, right, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, and uh, that information just keeps uh, spilling out abundantly. So now I must admit, guys, uh, we will be talking about uh, what is this woman's name? This woman, this woman, this woman, Jenna Griswold. Ooh, Jenna Griswold. We haven't talked about her in a minute. Uh, she is the Soros-born, Soros-backed, Soros babe. Uh, not in the sense that she's a babe, ladies and gentlemen, but, you know, the kind of woman that Soros would like. Unless, actually, I think George Soros is gay, isn't he? If I'm not mistaken, uh, George Soros likes to, you know, sniff around the old, uh, you know, uh, brown round over there. But uh, that that's neither here nor there. Perhaps we'll do a gay expose on George Soros and his little, uh, you know, Nazi boy love affairs. But uh, as I was saying, uh, Jenna Griswold, who happens to look like the love child of Bat Boy and, I don't know, uh, Katie Hobbs, right? <laughs> We'll be talking about her tonight. She has not been in the spotlight for quite some time. 
Uh, but, but you know, that's not to say that things aren't happening in the state of Colorado as far as election fraud and the big lie and the big theft and the big cover-up go for the 2020 general election. Oh, no, indeed. Things are happening over there. They're just a lot quieter than, uh, you know, you would hear from like Pennsylvania or Georgia or Arizona or Wisconsin, kind of like New Hampshire. Jeez Louise, I need to get the story together on New Hampshire. Now, um, as you all might remember from New Hampshire, you know, I've considered, maybe we'll do it tomorrow. I've considered re-airing old episodes of uh, all of these coverages that we used to do, uh, like we had the whole New New Hampshire deal going on, and uh, we had uh, you know, just a whole bunch of things, uh, you know, or I could just re-recap the stories, you know, talk about them again, I don't know, you the listening public, let me know which way you want to go, because uh, New Hampshire was a really big one as far as election integrity goes, um, and uh, proving the election fraud but New Hampshire didn't get much cover. I think uh, the Gateway Pundit covered it. Heather Mullins covered it. Uh, we had the Granite Grok out of the Northeast that covered it. But since then, ladies and gentlemen, the Granite Grok, which was a conservative news agency slash publication slash, uh, you know, uh, a newspaper, uh, they have turned heel Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's it's astounding, guys, because back in like, uh, I don't know, March, April, May of last year, uh, we would turn to the Granite Grok to get our information to share with you guys about what was going on with election integrity in that neck of the United States of America. And they have turned on a dime about face against election integrity. And it might have something to do with threats from Dominion. It might have something to do with threats from their governor, Sununu. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, do you guys remember, this was about a week or so ago, when we were talking about the Franklin cover-up. We were talking about the Boys Town child rape uh, pederast ring of children being run between uh, Nebraska and Washington, D.C. And we talked about Larry King and we talked about how uh, that went all the way to the top inside of the Reagan White House. Does that mean that Reagan was participatory? I don't think so. But we all know that Daddy Bush... Uh, had his, you know, uh, thing with children and boys. So yeah, absolutely, at least straight up to the vice president's seat. But who was one of the uh, representatives slash senators that was implicated and was also part of the cover-up? It was none other than now Governor Sununu, the Republican conservative governor of New Hampshire. And I remember saying, oh yeah, we used to make fun of that. That name Sununu here at the Sea Report because I mean, come on, what kind of a name is Sununu? Like, <laughs> it's just one of those names that sticks out. And so we used to make fun of the name Sununu, and uh, you know, it didn't click. It didn't click until I found out what's happening in New Hampshire and all of the really, uh, really uh, backwards, revolving, uh, kind of really bad things happening 
in that state right now for election integrity and the cover-up that they are trying to do. I mean, the cover-up in the uh, five most northeastern states of this country, ladies and gentlemen, Vermont, Maine, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island, uh, right, Rhode Island, maybe, yeah, yeah, right in there. I don't think it's, it's not Maryland or Pennsylvania. It's, yeah, yeah, it's those, it's those five. Uh, they, they, oh man, there's some big stuff going down up there, guys. We will definitely get you that story as soon as I can muster my little fingers, my time, and uh, as well as everything else that's going on in my life right now. And admittedly, guys, I apologize if yesterday uh, I was a little uh, off the cuff. Um, of course, nobody over at our uh, parent station, uh, Foxhole uh, <laughs> or Pilt, would have seen it because of the episode didn't air yesterday. Uh, but that's all good and dandy. You can always check it out at Twitch or Clout Hub. Uh, Twitch for the next two weeks, Clout Hub indefinitely. And uh, I think we're going to need to get our, uh, our outfit here on Rumble as soon as possible because uh, it's just not, uh, it's just not, when I have breaking important news. It's not breaking. I don't break news here, guys. I just share the news. But when I have important news that no one else happens to be covering, those reports just never get out on faux hole, a foxhole, or on pilled. Uh, they, they always get they always get mucked up, mired somehow. And I know, you know, they're growing, they're expanding, but uh, it's it's not dependable if you have information that no one else is talking about, okay? So anyways, uh, if you want to catch yesterday's episode, uh, you can always see it on our Twitch uh, for the next two weeks. You can always see it on Clout Hub indefinitely. And you will get a very highly redacted and highly edited version of yesterday's episode on our podcast, which I will try and get up within the next uh, day or so, because uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty heavily edited uh, episode, guys. What we did yesterday, because I was just I was having a bad day as it was, okay. And uh, yeah, so uh, I I don't mean to take it out on the lovelies over there at Foxhole and the the crew, you know. But um, I, we all have those moments, I guess you could say. And uh, well, anyways, needless to say, yesterday's episode is on Foxhole. They uh, it didn't air, uh, but uh, hopefully we got we will be uh, hopefully we'll be full steam ahead tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm almost afraid to say it. Isn't that a shame that I'm afraid to say it? Uh, at least for our parent company, uh, we'll be uh, doing our one year birthday slash anniversary for the sea report tomorrow i'm not going to tell you guys what i have in store for tomorrow but uh, i almost don't expect it to air on some platforms but you know it is what it is right it is what it is all right yes let's see what we got going on here uh aurelius Locke joining us over at uh the foxhole and pilled it's really blue in here it is you know i just realized that my tie for those of you who are uh, on uh the podcast it looks blue but it's actually purple <laughs> so i don't know we'll see how that goes uh good evening aurelius good evening pilled by the rabbit good to see you sir hope you are doing well captain longborder is hiding behind his avatar Per the huge, it's good to see you, Captain Longboarder. Welcome in. And uh, Aurelius says, there were tons of problems on all the channels last night. Yep, yep, yep. That's, it's, it's, it is uh, all she worked. Still working on a few tonight. Good to know. Good to know. That's why, uh, that's why I, you know, you know, because if I really had a big issue, 
and I don't have a big issue, guys. But if I really did, then the question would be, well, Mr. C, why are you on a platform that you have issues with? Well, because I don't really have a big issue with it. But, uh, you know, I just wish that uh, I just wish that those uh, those moments didn't occur on episodes that are really important to me. OK, the ones that are really important to me, it always seems to happen. But maybe it's just part of that whole uh, mental universe thing. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, like you, you project it and, and then it happens. And then uh, if, if you're the kind of person that believes in uh, in, in the stars and all that stuff. All that, uh, all that BS, as Jim Morrison would say, uh, well, then you very well know that uh, we're at the end of a retrograde and then that kind of stuff would happen. But, you know, I don't believe in that BS, guys. I just uh, I just use it to map out my everyday in life. Ha! Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. So let's go ahead and get started into today's show. Like I said already, we'll be doing a little bit on Jenna Griswold. Uh, as um, a new evidence has uh, emerged that uh, shows exactly what she was up to uh, during uh, the 2020 election in erasing, um, you know, uh, election data, which is a big no-no, as we all know, no, not Sununu, as we know, no, Sununu, no, no. Uh, hey, Slick Shoe, how's it going tonight? Uh, um, uh, thank you for joining us as well, sir. Uh, we'll also be talking a little bit about, um, uh, we'll be talking a little bit of COVID tonight, guys. A little bit of COVID. We got a story coming out of South Africa that I thought would be uh, of interest to some individuals, as well as another one regarding ivermectin that is going underreported. And uh, and then, of course, we have some President Trump statements. It's going to be a rather light show for tonight because I got to get ready for tomorrow. Uh, because tomorrow, like I said, uh, dare I say it, we'll be, uh, we'll be doing some stuff here for our one-year anniversary of the C-Report. Uh, Aurelius Lock says, can you upload last night's episode? Uh, I mean, I, I can. It's just, it's a process. Like, I have to uh, download it and then upload it and then uh, create a link and then send it over and then, uh, you know, uh, wait. So, uh, I got so much stuff to do right now. Uh, th that's why there's there are a few episodes here on this platform that I just, I, I have so much going on. It's hard to, uh, well, it's not hard. It's just time consuming uh, to have to go ahead and, and do all of that extra work on the back end. But hey. Maybe if I slip like a couple of hundred bucks in their direction, it won't happen anymore. It's possible. All right. Okay. So uh, let's go ahead and get, like I said, light show for tonight, guys. We're not going to get too hot and heavy with you all. And uh, and then we'll see what's up after that because uh, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff I want to do. Yesterday, for example, I wanted to do some extra uh, stuff, but some tragedies at the home front that just totally uh, denigrate the soul happened. And uh, well, I'm done. So uh, let's see here, guys. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, this first one is actually a statement from President Trump uh, that is uh, along the lines of a um, uh, financial, uh, you know, a financial kind of like, uh, what do you call it? A recap. Let's see. Uh, let's see what President Trump had to say in this statement. It's a it's 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 a doozy here with a bunch of uh, dollars and stuff. 
President Donald J. Trump's political committees announced over $122 million cash on hand with over $51 million raised from July 1st through December 31st, 2021. So his, uh, his um, uh, reporting here sounds like they did uh, quite the good uh, deal. Like, uh, yeah, they, they raised some money. Let's see what he did. President Donald J. Trump's political committees have over $122 million on hand after raising $51 million during the period between July 1st and December 31st, 2021. I'm sure that's got to have a bunch of uh, rhino politicians and, uh, you know, communists wondering how the heck is he making all this money? Is that from his book sales? Probably not. President Trump's continued an unprecedented pace of fundraising shows that the future of the Republican Party in 2022 and beyond remains perhaps the strongest in our country's history. The MAGA movement is here to stay. This massive fundraising accomplishment does not include the hundreds of millions of dollars raised by other candidates and organizations who use President Trump's name, likeness, endorsement, and America First Agenda as a platform for their efforts, further strengthening the movement he began back in 2016. Very impressive. It does not include the hundreds of millions of dollars raised by other candidates. Awesome. Taylor Budovich, Director of Communications for President Trump and Save America PAC, said President Donald J. Trump has built a political organization that continues to capture and redefine the future of the Republican Party. From the massive and unprecedented Save America rallies to these record-breaking fundraising numbers, there is no question that the Make America Great Again wave is set to crash across the midterms and carry forward all the way through 2024. In the history of our country, there has never been a more reliable or winning endorsement of candidates than that of President Trump. President Trump is incredibly well positioned to look beyond November as the need for his leadership has never been more important. Key fundraising numbers from Donald J. Trump's political committees. All committees raised over $122 million cash on hand. A total raised of over $51 million, an average donation of $31, uh, with a total number of donations being 1,631,648,000. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Uh, and percent of donations under $200 were 98.6%. Now, if you can imagine, guys, underneath HR... <laughs> Underneath HR one or HR four, otherwise known as the uh, as the NASA uh, the NASA slash uh, election bill, otherwise known as the uh, uh, allowing Martians to vote bill, right? Uh, we would have to we would have to match that, guys. Like we would have to we would have to pay for those donations that are under two hundred dollars. Remember, just like a representative out of Florida, what was her name again? 
I don't remember her name because I'd never heard of her prior to that. But she said, yeah, there's this matching, uh, you know, provision where if you make, if you raise under $200, like uh, the American people are up to match that. Okay, well, we would wholeheartedly match President Trump's donations. But if we had to match AOC's, I mean, come on, right? So anyways, 98% uh, of that was under $200, guys. That's impressive. I would fall well into that category. I'd be like, I'd be like less than a hundred dollars, <laughs> but it'd be something right. So don't judge me. Okay. So save America pack has contributed $1,350,000 to like-minded causes and endorsed candidates. The, uh, the uh, entities will file the federal election with the federal election commission today for the reporting period of July 1st, 2021 through December 21st. 2000 or 31st 2021 that is quite the financial report card there for president trump the save america pack and the make america a great again movement good stuff guys it's always good to know the uh well-being um and the health status of our uh our uh you know of our winners here guys yes indeed so excellent work president trump and all those who support him ourselves included but i mean like you know, financially speaking. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. One year anniversary. Uh, that's, yeah, that is big for me, guys. I don't do, uh, whoa, what is all that about? Yeah, I don't do that. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, I, I do it, but I don't do it like the, oh, this is our episode 100 or episode 200. If I'm going to do our episode 100 milestone, it's going to be episode 1000 is the one I'm going to be making like a big old celebration about. Not to toot my horn, but like, I mean, come on. In a year, you can hit 300 episodes. So how special is that, right? Okay. <laughs> so especially when you do it on the daily. Uh, but uh, but the, the, the entire revolutionary path around the sun, that as a birthday is... A milestone. So we'll be at one year officially tomorrow with the C report. I'm hoping to see you guys live, but I don't have faith in it because uh, it just doesn't happen. Uh, I should not be so pessimistic, but uh, I will. I will definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing something tomorrow. Okay, guys. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find all of our links if you uh, so care to at thecreport.com. Otherwise, I will see you here on our home platform. You know the foxhole and pill.net. All right. Cause we're small potatoes here guys, but, uh, maybe we'll be on rumble tomorrow. Also we'll see. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, let's see pill by the rabbit. I could not see all of these. Uh, uh, I don't know. For some reason it repeated all of that, uh, statement, but thank you, sir. Yes, it is a big deal to me. And then, uh, yes, party time, party time, party time. A dollar 47 says Aurelius Locke. Okay. <laughs> is that what you have donated? <laughs> hey, hey, every bit counts. And you know what? If you donated a dollar 47 to President Trump's campaign, I think recently they had like a nine, 900%, uh, 900% match. <laughs> That means you, my friend, might have actually donated like 10 bucks. <laughs> okay, that's uh, probably more than that. My math is terrible. Let's see what this next statement has to say. 
Okay, so it says uh, the fake news media has done everything in their power not to report the record-setting $122 million that has been raised for the Save America PAC and publicly announced last night. They hate that I broke all records. The failing New York Times refuses to acknowledge that the power of the Trump endorsement is far stronger today than ever before. It is virtually unblemished. Our country can never be strong again unless we have an honest, open, and fair media. And sadly, our media is largely fake and corrupt. The people of our country demand the truth. And I think the truth has never more so been demanded than it has now. You know, I was like going over. I I mean, I've been digging for a lot of different things lately as per like videos and stuff like that. But um, I just, uh, you know, it it, it is it, it, it cannot be said enough, ladies and gentlemen, that in in this quest in this journey in this uh battle to you know uh drain the swamp to clean up you know uh politics and everything uh, on our venture to relinquish the hold that the globalist elitist deep state filth have had upon us all and this world it has to be done it has to be done by ending the stranglehold, the grip that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird media has on the world. Like, it is meaningful to say that um, we could not move forward with securing the elections of 2020 if we were not where we are now, which is the path that shows all access that these uh, that these thieves, these tyrants, these ne'er-do-wells had over us and our elections. You know, um, uh, for example, we just talked yesterday about Mike Pence and his duties as the vice president in regard to president of the Senate and uh and what he can do what he's capable of doing uh uh during that electoral college vote count ordeal right wherein we're finding that if uh if the vice president really could not do anything then why is susan collins and you know you know uh, all these other senators why are they trying to change that law? Like she said herself in that video clip that we watched yesterday, which you might have missed if you were watching over here at the foxhole. We covered that yesterday at large. Uh, this whole thing where you've got these representatives and uh, uh, senators, they're trying to make the vice president's role in regards to elections and uh, and uh, uh, the electoral process ceremonial. And not only do they want to do that, they also want to uh, they also want to make it to where you need two or three representatives or senators opposing the electoral college vote in order. Well, it's senators, right? It's actually senators, not representatives. Senators.
senators. It's only one per state, right? So they they want to make it where it's it's like two senators per state that have the say on whether or not they'll return, you know, the vote and uh, reassess what's going on. Uh, that is the Electoral College uh, um, Amendment Act, the Electoral College Act of 1887 that we talked about yesterday here at the Sea Report. Now, if you didn't get to see it, you can still see yesterday's episode over at Twitch for the next 13 days. You can see it at Clout Hub indefinitely. And we will have that episode up on our podcast. If you are one of our podcast subscribers, uh, then we'll have that up there. I'm gonna, I'll try and get it up there tonight, but we'll see because I might be doing something else tonight. Uh, God willing and, uh, you know, um, good faith blessings, it happens. So uh, we'll see what's up with that. But um, it, it was all, all in all, it was very interesting. And one has to ask the question, if they're trying to change the law to make this ceremonial and to put more restrictions up or more barriers to oppose the way that an election is going, then they lied to us, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I even admitted my own personal uh, cognitive dissonance in regards to that because I had an understanding that the vice president absolutely could return the votes back so that this way they could be further Assessed. But all of the mainstream, mainstream fake news, legacy media, you got <laughs> legacy mockingbird propaganda, Aurelius Locke, all of that put me in a state of cognitive dissonance to where I'm questioning myself. Wait, could he really do that? I need to go, you know, uh, do a little bit more reading, do a little bit more studying, bone up on my, uh, you know, uh, vice president, electoral college, electoral processed stuff. But they're trying to change that law, which means they absolutely lied to us and we stand correct not corrected, we stand correct in our original belief that Pence had every right to absolutely change that vote. But had he done that, and had he returned the votes to be reassessed, and had President Trump retained the uh, title, the office of president, as was the right course and path, we would still have all of this fraud riddled within the very uh, uh, veins of our election processes and we would not see it. So this is really a blessing. It's really a godsend, guys, that we are walking this path. Some people have argued that, that that was Pence's role. And so don't be so hard on the man, right? Because he did what he had to do in order to make sure that we were shown and not told so that we would believe and not doubt what it is that we are seeing and are believing. And, you know, all of that's totally valid, guys. It's all totally valid. But again, uh, if, if, if you take that... If you take that instance where we are walking down this path as as harrowing and as negative and as uh, disastrous as it might seem, but at the same time, we are expelling and seeing every single thing that was wrong because we all know at this point that they employed at least 20 to 30 different methods of fraud. 
across all the states in order to pull off what they did. Some they did, they used the same kinds of fraud in some states. They used, they used very unique types of fraud in other states, but it's all there, guys. And we can see it. We can see the machine. We can see what they used. We can see the uh, apparatus the uh the 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 greatest uh the greatest uh, um, uh conjoining of of race and 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 uh people and across all boards for the greatest theft of any election to paraphrase uh illegitimate joe uh, and uh, it wouldn't be that way if we hadn't been through this. Now, likewise with the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propagandist media, guys, like, they gotta go. There's no point to moving forward if they do not go. Like, we cannot, ladies and gentlemen, advance our cause for freedom and liberty and pursuit of happiness and movement to all of our brothers and sisters across this planet, unless these spoilers of truth and these uh, these 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 cagers of knowledge and, and well-being exist, guys, we can't we can't do it. They've got to go. They have got to go. And already there's so many cracks that are uh, apparent in their visage. You know that uh, it's very possible that they could go like that it just it just takes it'll take one big thing guys to wake the world up what is it going to be it's clearly not going to be ukraine and russia right because ukraine and russia just made a damn fool out of cnn guys and they just exposed them for possibly trying to push a narrative that would enable a war okay but what it's got to be covid it's got to be COVID. It has got to be COVID because the COVID narrative will not only bring down the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propagandist media. It will bring down the pharmaceutical industrial complex and it will bring down tyrannical governments as they are and as it stands. It's got to be COVID, guys. So we got to hold on just a little bit more. We need to keep on pressing the truth because it's also going to reveal, it's also going to reveal the sellout propagandist uh, shills within industries. I mean, take a look at Neil Young and then who's the other one? Jody, whatever her name is. All of these has been hacks who sold themselves out a long time ago. Now, maybe they were unique and original and honest and truthful back in the 60s and 70s okay but uh joni mitchell and neil young and the rest of the and the foo fighters i mean really come on come on mr the foo fighter you you lost your popularity after there goes your hero like no you're no one cares about you anymore and you think that just by threatening Spotify and and I'm not even like on Spotify's bandwagon, guys, because I mean, they're kind of caving right now, but they're getting a lot of pressure. This is also to those who have the eyes to see it and the ears to hear it and the mind to discern it will be able to figure out what's going on there. But that is also going to need to be tied into um, the uh, it's going to need to be tied into something much bigger than that, ladies and gentlemen. So Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, let me hear that you guys have been drinking the blood of babies, okay? Because I don't doubt for a minute that you are totally 
totally bought into that type of a lifestyle based on how loud you cry, whine, and complain, Bette Midler, uh, and, and how loud and, and how much you cry and complain, you know, uh, who else can we name here? We can name so many people. Anyways, I am kind of getting on a soapbox. That is not the purpose of today's show. Let's see what is up here. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got Aurelius is, uh, woo, Aurelius, let's see here, says, um, you are correct, sir. It had to be this way. It has to be this way, guys. We cannot give up. I remember the conversation we had about this. I still think Pence played his part the way he was supposed to. And God bless it if he did, guys. I just hope he has nothing to do with the death of children. Uh, number one, trustworthy elections. Number two, parallel economy. Number three, take back our constitutional republic. Number four, expose the fake stream media 100%. <laughs> the pretender was good, though. <laughs> uh, let me see. What is the last comment we got coming here? Uh, see in the dark 100 will be a bash. <clears throat> uh, we will have you there with us, Mr. Aurelius Locke, for see in the dark. Hey, yeah, well, hey, you guys stay tuned because uh, you guys haven't heard the last of Mr. Aurelius Locke. We're uh, hoping to have him on an episode of See in the Dark coming up uh, with sometime this month, guys. So uh, get ready for it. We're looking forward to it most definitely. Oh, Lordy. We got we we have need to do some uh, we need to do some reimagining and uh, we need to be like Madonna. For, for lack of a better example, okay, <laughs> the, the, we, the, we need to reinvent here. Well, you know, I've never been one to uh, sit on my laurels and uh, plateau at the uh, same type of... Anyways, that's a conversation for tonight. Okay, let's move on to the next statement from President Trump. Now, we already read this one about the fake news media and uh, all of their uh, tackiness, okay? So, whoops, wrong button. Let's move on to the next statement from President Trump. Uh, let me grab this one down here because uh, we're going to show you guys a furter. What is the next statement from President Trump about? It's about this man. Okay, it's not specifically about this man, but it has something to do with this man. That is, uh, that is uh, Congressman Tom Rice of South Carolina, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that man. In impeachment hoax number two, he voted against President Trump. Can you believe the gall that this man has? Look at him. He sits there. Anyhow, uh, we're not going to focus on this, uh, on this uh, treasonous uh, American here because uh, you can only call him treasonous if you put American, you know, because... Because otherwise, they, we'd just be treasonous butthole. And yeah, well, you know, anyone's butthole can be treasonous. But this is the man that we're going to focus on right here. His name is uh, Russell Fry. So <laughs> let, me guy, let me tell you guys a funny anecdote about uh, trying to get graphics together for tonight's show about Russell Fry and Tom Rice. Okay, so, you know, I'm looking for a picture of Tom Rice. I'm looking for a picture of Russell Fry. I got them. I just showed them to you. I was hoping I could find an image of uh, Tom Rice and Russell Fry, you know, kind of on a split photo, right? You know, one and one on each side of the panel. So I put in Russell Fry and Tom Rice and all I get are pictures of fried rice. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> that tickled my funny bone. Hey, one, two, three, SKG. How are you doing tonight? Welcome into the show. Glad to have you, sweetie. Thank you for donating the can. And uh, yeah, Madonna. I know, right? It's a terrible person to uh, compare yourself to and or yeah. I don't think I need to say any more about that. But uh, uh, she wasn't the only one. Okay, I guess I could have said David Bowie, right? When we're talking about an artist that reinvents themselves. I could have I could have said David Bowie instead of Madonna. But man, I've... I've Anyways, okay, we, I'm getting way off the ball here. Let, let's let's talk about Russell Fry. Okay, so uh, President Trump actually had an endorsement for uh, Russell Fry today, and uh, he says this about Russell Fry. He starts off with this Congressman Tom Rice thing, though. He says, uh, Congressman Tom Rice of South Carolina, the coward who abandoned his constituents by caving to Nancy Pelosi and the radical left and who actually voted against me on impeachment number two must be thrown out of office ASAP. And we have just the man to do it. America First champion Russell Fry has been a leading fighter on election integrity, is pro-life, pro-God, pro-gun, and very importantly, pro-low taxes. As chief majority whip in South Carolina, he led the charge in passing the Open Carry Act and also succeeded with the Religion is Essential Act. Russell loves our military and our vets. He is strong on border security and crime. Russell Fry is all in for the Palmetto State. And he has my complete and total endorsement. Vote Tom Rice out now, ladies and gentlemen. So let it be said. So let it be done. President Trump, you know we got your back, sir you know we got your back. And I'm most certain that the patriots of South Carolina do as well. So well done and well said. Well done, Sheldon. Let's move on to this next statement from the Prez. And uh, this is statement number four. Kind of goes like this. So pathetic to watch the unselect committee of political hacks, liars, and traitors work so feverishly to alter the Electoral College Act so that a vice president cannot ensure the honest results of the election when just one year ago they said that the vice president has absolutely no right to ensure the true outcome of or results of an election. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, they lied and the vice president did have this right or more pointedly could have sent the votes back to various legislators for reassessment after so much fraud and irregularities were found. If it were sent back to the legislators or if Nancy Pelosi, who is in charge of capital security, had taken my recommendation and substantially increased security, there would have been no January 6th false flag riots at the Capitol as we know it. Therefore, the unselect committee should be investigating why Nancy Pelosi did such a poor job of overseeing security and why Mike Pence did not send back the votes for recertification or approval. 
in that it has now been shown that he clearly had the right to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, what a cherry on top of yesterday's report. And again, if you didn't get to catch yesterday's report here at the foxhole.app or pill.net, you can catch it for the next 13 days at twitch.tv or forever at clouthub.app, maybe, I'm not sure. And of course, on our podcast, we'll have that uploaded most definitely soon, ladies and gentlemen, but we probably won't have that here at Foxhole. You'll get the first two minutes of the show. Okay. All right. So uh, that's about that, guys. Yeah. Very eloquent set. A cherry on top right there. Um, because, I mean, guys, uh, it, isn't, it, isn't it beautiful? Uh, it, it, what was it last? Was it last year, the year of the boomerang or something like that? I don't know. Uh, but uh, we're like, we're like the year of uh, light shining on darkness. I don't know. We're, we're in the year of, 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 of just exposure, you know, a year of exposure where every single move that they make is not only being recognized, acknowledged and called out, but it is being shared and spread across all boards and factors of uh, people who are paying attention and it's sticking so that, you know, little, little shows and broadcasts like myself can see that, recognize it, and share that. That's important right there, guys. Like, I don't know how many other people are reporting on this because I don't watch other shows, but that's a big thing. Like, this is huge, guys. It's huge. Like, this is the kind of thing that I would, like, get on a soapbox about for, like, two months, right? Straight. Just, no, 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 Like, look, he was right the whole time. Like, if I were just, like, one of those shows where I just totally, like, just talked (laughs) and didn't share stories, I probably wouldn't get off of this. I mean, because look, you know, I mean, they even had me at a a loss for a little bit when I was like, wait, you know, to my understanding, the vice president absolutely can stop this vote from moving forward. But everyone and their mother is trying to tell me that they can't. And uh, then these guys go and these guys... uh, (laughs) Try and change the law and it totally, they totally expose themselves, ladies and gentlemen. They expose themselves a thousand percent, which is just absolutely uh, entertaining to me. Uh, It it should be entertaining because we're watching them mess up. We're watching them expose themselves. We're watching them drop trow, you know, And, and, and maybe they didn't mean to drop trow, but they absolutely are. And, uh, well, I don't know. Aurelius says, I expect Trump to finish his statements with, I have spoken. <laughs> he should, you know? Uh, I mean, because he, uh, come on. I, I can totally appreciate that, Aurelius. So, yeah, he, uh, it, it, yes, I, the president, have, ah, I, the president, have spoken. Okay, uh, for those of you, ha- uh, for <laughs> Uh, one two three SKG asks a very good question. Mike Pence wonder who he serves, and um, I I I kind of I you know I, you know I'm in that boat as well, right? But but get this one two three SKG. What if that is the role he was supposed to play, so that this way we would see it as opposed to just being told about it? Which that puts me at odds because I never trusted the man. I never trusted Mike Pence for nothing. 
Never. From day one. From day one. When I was like, ooh, who is President Trump going to have as his VP pick? And he called up Mike Pence. I, the, the first thing I said when I saw Mike Pence is that is LBJ to JFK. Uh, that's the first thought that I had, guys. That is the first thought that I had. And then I heard all these stories about him being like a uh, power top gay man who rapes children and kills them. So that's not a, that's not a topic for the C report, guys. That's something we need to talk about in the dark. For those of you who are brand new to this show and broadcast, see in the dark. That is another show that we do, okay? But the Sea Report, you know, it's nice and clean news, guys. We're not getting into too much speculation. Uh, appreciate that, Aurelius says. We got a nice niche over here at the Sea Report now. Uh, okay, now I told you guys about Jenna Greswald at the start of today's show. I told you guys that Jenna Greswald looked like the love child of Katie Schnob, Secretary of State of uh, Arizona, and Bat Boy, right? I wasn't lying, okay? <laughs> Too many night games, too much amphetamines. I don't know what's going on with this woman, but uh, she's got them cannibal. The, the She's got them child chompers like everybody else that seems to be mixed up in the Soros, Democrat, progressive, communist, sympathizer crowd. So Jenna Greswald is the secretary of snakes for the state of Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, we've talked a bit about Jenna Greswald here at the Sea Report. We haven't shined as much light on her as we probably should have. And indeed, as you can tell by her pallor, she needs some sunlight, ladies and gentlemen. So let's talk a little bit about Jenna Greswald. All right. Uh, now, um, here's a quick recap for those of you who may not remember much about what's going on in Colorado. Uh, do you guys recall the cyber symposium that Mike Lindell held up in, where was it, Nebraska or Utah or something like that? South Dakota. It was South Dakota, wasn't it? So uh, Mike Lindell has his cyber symposium. And what, it must have been like day two or something like that. He's like, I've got breaking news. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Get here. 7 p.m. We have a ball buster of some breaking news for everybody. I'm Mike Lindell. My pillow. Right? So uh, I was like, we got to tune in, guys. My, yeah, Mike, my pillow. <laughs> Oh my god, Hellraiser's Chatterbox. I see it. I see it. I, I actually have seen that. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, oh my days. That is a, that's a, that's a good one right there. That is a good one. Um, <laughs> so, okay, Lindell, Lindell, <laughs> don't get me thrown off course so quickly. So Lindell's having an aneurysm about some breaking news, right, for the Cyber Symposium. So as it turns out, what had happened is he was having a county clerk for uh, Colorado uh, come and give uh, her experience at, you know, election integrity and, and fighting this viper, fighting this snake, Jenna Griswold, right? And uh, he, uh, uh, <laughs> he, he uh, apparently, her name is Tina Peters, right? Tina Peters is the county clerk from Colorado. I'll get you the name of that county soon because I don't remember it off the top of my head. But while she was en route to the uh, cyber symposium, this viper, Jenna Griswold, had the FBI raid her office and, you know, take all of her stuff. And then, you know, uh, her family was uh, coming under uh, pressure as well as uh, some type of uh, uh, duress from all of these people. Now, the reason why that happened, guys, is because 
this snake, this secretary of snakes, Jenna Griswold, instructed all of the county clerks in Colorado to erase the digital data off of their machines and get rid of it. Okay. Now, I was digging for the article because we shared it. We shared it here at the Sea Report already. The article talked about how Jenna Griswold explained that it was absolutely legal for her to erase that data. And it went, and I couldn't find it before we got on the air tonight, but it went something like this, that the digital data is not part of what needs to be saved for retention. Remember, we all have that 22-month retention of election data. Uh, it, it had to do with the physicality of the machine and like, you know, print out uh, receipts and uh, tablatures and stuff like that. That needed to be retained, but the digital data did not need to be retained. And the thing about it is that when we were talking about the digital data is it was not just the numbers, right? It wasn't just, it was not just, uh, you know, one vote, three vote, five vote equals eight votes uh, and for who it went to, but the digital data that she erased also erased the steps that were taken, okay? So what we're talking about here is in the world of, you know, uh, of digital uh, electronic uh, data saving, etc. And uh, it shows you all the steps that are taken. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, it'll show a button pushed, uh, vote for, uh, multiply that, tablature, and then say someone goes back into the system. It'll show you the breakdown. It'll be like, uh, you know, user so-and-so, login, user so-and-so, pushed enter, user so-and-so, push delete, uh, this data deleted, this data modified, and it shows you every single step. Okay, that's the type of data that we're talking about that was erased. But she used a statute from the Colorado State uh, um, um, Rules on Election to say that she was in the clear. And that was the angle that her lawyers used as well. Now, when that story closed, that held. Okay, so what we have here now is this instance where it was basically Tina Peters, the county clerk in Colorado versus Jenna Griswold and the machine that is the uh, treasonous lawyers, representatives and governor of Colorado. Right. So she's going up against this entire monstrosity, Tina Peters, and she was the only one. And you know what Tina Peters did to get her office raided? She made a copy of the data that Jenna Griswold, the Secretary of Snakes of Colorado, instructed her to delete. And Jenna was like, oh, that Tina Peters. She was like, I am not going to let her. She has that data. I need to get it and erase it. And indeed, that's why they raided Tina Peters' apartment. And that is why we had Manic Mike, Mrs123SKG, because they had to de delete that data because then they could clearly see exactly what they did in Colorado, okay? So, here's where the twist comes. The twist comes when it is discovered that Tina Peters was not the only county clerk, God bless, that uh, saved that data. Please don't tell me Tina Peters is the name of, like, a porn star. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm kidding, Aurelius. They're like, he's like, Tina Peters is not a county clerk. Tina Peters is like, I don't know. 
singer from the 70s. Uh, okay, let's check this out. So we had this. Uh, it is a press release from the U.S. Election Integrity Plan established in Colorado. And uh, this was this is actually from November 19th of 2021. And this uh, press release sums up what was going on between the destruction of this um um, this uh, election uh, data, the the records, and uh, and Griswold, you know, the, the one that we just showed you guys. So uh, check it out. It says uh, uh, Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold sued over destruction of election records, failure to properly <clears throat> properly test voting equipment, and obstruction of independent election audits. It says Colorado citizens sue. Secretary of State, let me align that for you guys better, Jenna Griswold over elections violations, case requests full forensic audit of Colorado voting systems and 2020 elections to ensure free and fair elections for Colorado voters. Today, an explosive case, Hanks et al. versus Griswold, was filed in Denver District Court. The most damning facts of the case claim that Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold and her employees destroyed election records from the 2020 election. Griswold and other Colorado election officials are required by state law to preserve those election records for 25 months. Oh, they got 25 months. It's 22 months across the board, other places. And by federal, oh, well, and by federal law for 22 months. Okay, well, Colorado, good on you. The relief sought in this case is a full independent forensic audit of Colorado voting systems and the 2020 election in Colorado so citizens trust in their elections might be restored. When asked whether the, the deleted uh, elections records were significant or simply inconsequential extra files on election servers or electronic voting equipment, uh, retired Colonel Sean Smith, United States Air Force Systems Testing Expert, stated, the Federal Election Commission's 2002 voting system standards, which are a mandatory standard for Colorado voting systems, require voting systems to maintain and produce all audit trail information, including operating systems and hardware. The Department of uh, Justice has already confirmed that digital records are election records. The federal and state statutes that require preservation of election records were written for the exact purpose of ensuring the availability of records exactly like the ones like those destroyed by the Secretary of State. A uh, second claim in the case states that Griswold failed to employ a federally accredited laboratory to test Colorado voting systems before the 2020 election. When investigating whether the claim is a mere clerical oversight, the exhibits include in the case show otherwise. Griswold's selected testing labs, pro VNV's accredited status, expired in 2017. Very important there. The next time pro VNV was officially accredited was 2021. However, in 2019, Griswold issued an official letter, Exhibit 1, approving pro VNV's test plans, and Griswold cited that testing in her certification of Colorado voting systems used in November of 2020. Within the 47 months, pro VNV was unaccredited, meaning the lab was not qualified to conduct proper electronic voting equipment testing. 
Griswold repeatedly used the testing lab and cited its testing reports. So this is actually very important here, guys. This right here, guys, we've seen this across the board. The EAC did not certify ProVNV and I think it's SL SLNS compliance, okay? These supposed certification uh, laboratories, these supposed certification um, uh, um, uh, uh, organizations that are certified by um, EAC to, to do their, to do their uh, elections, from 2016 to 19 or 20, guys, they were not certified. In fact, the Gateway Pundit ran a story that discovered that they were not even certified for the 2020 election, which means if we're following federal statutes and we're following state guidelines, that the 2020 election is pretty much null and void across the board, ladies and gentlemen. But there is a lot of litigation that goes behind that. And well, that is, uh, as they say, is that. Uh, now, real quickly, it looks like we are uh, losing our ground over at the faux hole once again, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, guys, about it. If you guys are tuned in. Yeah, the, when you see that death circle, the, it's just it's ending the episode. So uh, it might come back online at some point. I doubt it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I don't care. Okay. So, uh, let's move on guys. We're going to finish with this, uh, here. It says, uh, Colorado voters shouldered all of the risk when Griswold approved an unaccredited lab to test voting systems. Every single Colorado County used voting equipment during the 2020 election that was not properly tested. And the lapsed uh, lab accredita accreditation likely affected the voting systems used in the 2021 election as well, just as I said. The final claim in the case against Griswold addresses what appears to be Griswold's attempt to cover up potential wrongdoing. In June 2021, Griswold issued emergency election rules limiting who can access electronic voting equipment uh, defendants, Griswold's employees, county clerks, employees, election judges, and voting system vendors. No independent consultants are allowed. Griswold's emergency election rules impact Colorado elections in two distinct ways. First, the rules ensure that any independent forensic audit of election equipment, which is exactly what Colorado citizens are asking for, are forbidden. Secondly, none of the people or parties Griswold identifies as being allowed to access voting equipment have adequate technical expertise to verify the electronic voting equipment, which again, I would have to agree with wholeheartedly, none of the people or parties Griswold identifies as being allowed to access voting equipment have adequate technical expertise to verify voting electronic equipment guys it's like uh it's like they were making this big fight that they they wanted uh pro vnv and sli compliance to be the uh the uh organizations or businesses that audit forensically when they are not able to forensically they can't do a forensic audit all they can do is turn the machine off and on and drop it off of a two-story window and verify that it works that's about the range that they are able to perform 
ladies and gentlemen, when we're talking about those EAC accredited uh, organizations, which were not even certified. Look, I'm back on now. I'm back on now. They were not even certified during the 2020 election, ladies and gentlemen, which again, I will repeat, renders them null and void. But a lot of litigation, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of litigation would go into getting that proven and taken care of. Okay, let's move forward. Okay, we got another article here now. This, okay, so that's actually a very interesting case. We've already had the Tina Peters case. And what you said something about Tina Peters, actually. Ah, Jenna must have not liked her Christmas vacation. I was like, don't tell me that's the name of the actress that was uh, Clark Griswold's wife. Anyways, so uh, we have this case about accreditation and certification that is an open lawsuit and also the removal or the uh, destruction of the election data. So here, and, and then that also entails Tina Peters, right? So here's the new one. This is from Ash in America. This is uh, actually, it looks like a, a pretty nice blog here, guys. Like a pretty well put together blog here. I, I wish I could do something like this. Um, and this is new evidence in Colorado catches embattled secretary of state off guard because she was not expecting another one of uh, her subservience uh, to uh, to um, uh, have uh, in, have uh, kept this information. Do I get can I get a there we go. I'm like, can I get a nice readable type of uh, thing here? OK, so let's check this out, guys. This is really interesting. New evidence in Colorado catches embattled Secretary of Snakes off guard. This is a developing story, but I want to get this out so that everyone understands what's happening. Things are heating up in Colorado, so here's what we know. Jenna got some bad news. On Monday, January 24th, 2022, Jenna Griswold was having a very bad day. As everyone should know by now, Jenna is facing a pretty explosive lawsuit from elected officials around the state of Colorado. If you need to catch up, you can read about it here at Jenna is in hot water. Maybe I should have pulled that one up, right? A big part of that case is the saga of Tina Peters and Mesa County. (laughs) So yes, Tina Peters of Mesa County. Uh, So you should read up on that one as well, especially if you're new to Colorado's role in the stolen elections of November 3rd, 2020. The case Hanks et al. versus Griswold was filed, pardon me, in November of 2021 in the city and county of Denver District Court. And Griswold's lawyer recently filed a motion to dismiss on outstanding, but what they cannot defend on substance. In response to Griswold's motion to dismiss, the plaintiffs filed new evidence in the case disclosing the existence of a second forensic image in Elbert County, Colorado, and requesting a court order to have it forensically examined to confirm what cyber experts found in Mesa, destruction of election records, an uncertifiable, non-compliant voting system, and a coffin nail in the unwarranted gold standard refrain. A press release issued by Jenna's office on Monday revealed this discovery. 
The Secretary of State's office became aware of the potential security protocol breach through an affidavit signed by Elbert County Clerk and Recorder Schroeder as uh, part of the lawsuit that he and five other plaintiffs have brought against the department based on multiple unfounded election conspiracy theories. That affidavit admitted that the Elbert County clerk had made an image of the voting system hard drive sometime before August 27th, 2021, but it did not disclose how the copy was made or what security measures were taken at the time. Secretary of State press release January 24, 2022. In an affidavit signed by Clerk Schroeder, he explains his actions. I was told that there was evidence that the trusted build process that was performed on Mesa County's Dominion voting systems during May of 2021 had erased electronic files that were part of the 2020 election records. This information was concerning because I have a legal duty to retain election records for 25 months after every election. The purpose of retaining the records is so that a proper audit of an election can be performed. I was concerned that the trusted build process might erase electronic election records from the Elbert County election systems, which would violate state law, Elbert County Clerk and Recorder Dallas Schroeder said January 7th, 2022. Just in case you're not fully comprehending the explosiveness of this disclosure, let's go back to Jenna's press release, which confirms that this newly disclosed evidence, the Elbert County forensic image, was taken before the Colorado trusted updates, trusted build updates. Uh, from the uh, press release, it says, this breach in security protocol occurred prior to the 2021 trusted build of Elbert County's 2021 voting equipment, which updates systems against vulnerabilities. Therefore, the Secretary of State's office does not believe at this time that the unauthorized imaging has created an imminent or direct security risk to Colorado's elections. Guys, okay, so that is part of the backhandedness, backwordedness that they were doing in Colorado. So you had uh, individuals like Tina Peters, uh, county clerks and recorders, and apparently this Dallas, uh, this Dallas uh, Schroeder guy who went ahead and made copies or took images of the election data. Then you have people like Secretary of Snakes, Jenna Griswold, and her legal team swooping in there saying that it was illegal for them. That's, a, that's one of the main reasons why they were able to raid Tina Peters' office because they were like, you can't be uh, making copies of election data even though they're going to erase it, okay? This trusted build exercise occurred in all states that Dominion is used ladies and gentlemen, including in Michigan, where you had a constitutional lawyer, Matt DiPerno, fighting to stop the county clerks from actually participating in the trusted build exercises and deleting all of that data. Unfortunately, it did not work for, um, for uh, you know, the, the time being. So uh, uh, um, it, it erased the data, ladies and gentlemen, it erased the data. Uh, the Secretary of State's claim of based on unfounded election conspiracy theories is remarkable and false. Let's finish this up here, guys. Uh, it says, there is no breach in security protocol. This is a lie. 
The basis of the plaintiff's claims is filed with the court and has been provided to Secretary Griswold's counsel and directly to her before that. It's a stack of government documents, either publicly posted or obtained through open records request, and it's damning. In other words, not only ought Griswold to know better, she does know better, but this isn't her first time making false statements to the public. More on that in a minute. For the clerk to take a forensic image of the machines, particularly when there are concerns that the updates the vendor is conducting will destroy election records and evidence, is not a violation of any security protocol or, more importantly, legal statute. It is, in fact, the clerk's statutory responsibility to preserve election records for 25 months. According to Colorado law, Clerk Schroeder, like Clerk Peters, was doing his job. Yet Jenna is setting up to attack a second clerk based on false allegations of a crime. Oh, Miss Jenna Griswold. Clearly, she did not get her cha-cha heels for Christmas, right? Now, where have we seen this before? For Tina, the false allegation was that she leaked passwords. Remember that? The entire premise for the Secretary of State's actions against Tina Peters was that she leaked passwords. But we never hear about that allegation anymore. They want you to forget. Also, forget that Tina never had the passwords. And their safekeeping and security was the sole responsibility of the Secretary of State. They were Griswold's passwords. And then forget that no one would have any idea that CodeMonkeyZ shared Mesa County passwords, except that Jenna Griswold held a press conference and confirmed to the world that his disclosure was the Mesa County passwords, an action that confounded everyone everywhere with even a cursory understanding of security protocols in the event of a breach. You aren't authorized to expose my criminal activity. I'm sure that's Jenna Griswold saying that. Now it says here, uh, now we hear about unauthorized backups. Unauthorized by whom? In both cases, the clerk authorized the backups under their own authority and duty as the elected official responsible for elections administration in their county. If Griswold was competent and lawful, she would be demanding to know which clerks did not conduct backups to preserve election records in accordance with Colorado and federal law, especially upon learning, as she did with the first Mesa County report, that the trusted build deleted election records in violation of the law. I mean, if she wasn't in on that, it is. I have a question. Just planning ahead, I have a few lines of questioning for those in Denver who swore the oath to the United States and Colorado constitutions. One, can we expect Jenna Griswold to order the raid of Dallas Schroeder's office and home? Should Clerk Schroeder's staff prepare for law enforcement to kick down their doors? Should Elbert County activists expect their children to be accosted by law enforcement officials? Two, can we expect Jenna Griswold to decertify the machines in Elbert County? Uh, will there be charges filed in Elbert? Friendly reminder, none of the raids in Mesa County had accompanying charges against those who had their lives turned upside down by Jenna's flying monkeys 
Or, like in Mesa County, will Jenna Griswold unleash the power of the state against those who seek the truth she is fighting to keep concealed? And three, finally, how did any of this pass review by the Colorado Attorney General? Oh, probably because the Colorado Attorney General is a uh, Soros stooge who is responsible to defend Colorado's constitution on behalf of the citizens. Is there anybody home at the attorney general's office or have they just become the personal white collar defense attorney for the unaccountable secretary of state? The gold standard of criminal cover-ups. I have to speculate on Griswold's reaction because her office did not respond to my request for comment. And in case you think I am being hyperbolic in anticipating the secretary's response, here is the contemporaneous press from when Jenna Griswold learned that there was a Mesa County image that might expose her crimes. And here is a list of links that I am going to pull up and preserve later on. Um, and uh, the buck stops with the clerk on election records preservation. Remember the press conference in August of 2021 where Jenna nervously and unconvincingly told the world that there was a breach? That was after she sent law enforcement to raid Tina Peters' office and the home of one of her staff. You might also remember Matt Crane, executive director of the Colorado County Clerks Associ Association, standing next to and supporting Secretary Griswold during this press conference. I reached out to Director Crane prior to publishing to ask if he had any comment in the disclosure of a second image. He quickly responded with, the CCCA is aware of the recent reports regarding Elbert County. We are continuing to monitor the situation and support a full investigation to bring all facts to light. All facts? Quick reminder that the CCCA, kind of like the CCCP, is funded by the dues your county clerk pays with your tax dollars. A source close to the CCCA tells me there is also some additional sponsorship funding from one or more of your favorite election vendors, which I will dig into for a future post. Regardless, you can search in vain for any public records and statements where Director Crane demanded that the Mesa County District Attorney investigate the destruction of election records. You know the evidence revealed by the expert forensic uh, report filed with D.A. Rubenstein directly involving CCCA dues paying clerk Tina Peters. Which friends like this with friends like the CCECA who needs to pay dues anywhere else? Apparently, all facts and light are relevant relative concepts for the CCCA, but at least we can agree that a full investigation into the actions of all parties in this Colorado telenovela telenovela is needed. So uh, what this writer is then asking to do is to have uh, have people of Colorado reach out to their clerk and let them know that they support a full investigation to bring all facts to light, especially the facts revealed by the forensic images in both Mesa and Elbert counties, and that uh, your clerk should know your name by now, right? They should be able to be like, oh, that Mr. C is bugging me again. <coughs> so a uh, very, very good write-up by this uh, Ash... You see that? Too many amphetamines, ladies and gentlemen. Jenna Griswold, the love child of uh, Katie Hobbs and Bat Boys. That's what I'm telling you guys. That is what I'm telling you. <laughs> we'll go ahead and we will, uh, we will um, 
stop or end that uh, article there. What an interesting article, I would say. Very interesting article. Very good job. Very, very good job here. Now, this is again by, uh, let me see if I can get the name of this. Ash in America. Good job, girl. Good job. She's done a good job there, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness. I need to, I need to get one of these things going myself. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. So, well, that is what's going on in, uh, that is what's going on in Colorado guys. So Colorado, New Hampshire, New Nevada, New Mexico, Minnesota. I think those will be the next states on the table after Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and uh, yeah, those ones. <laughs> Michigan, my bad. We cannot forget Michigan. And Texas will be on the table too. Texas will be on the table too as the, uh, as the first and so far only state where President Trump won. Texas will be on the table. All right. Hey, Curious Cat and Fam joining us over at Twitch. Thank you for hanging out. Love Foxhole, simply unwatchable right now. I, it's a shame, isn't it? I love it too. I love it too. But uh, <clears throat> it's most unfortunate. Okay, now let's do uh, quick Arizona updates. Let me see how we're doing on time here. Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Still making good time. I think we'll, I think we'll get to Ivermectin tonight. Okay, so uh, what, what was the latest? Uh, we had some updates yesterday about the Splunk logs and uh, the routers and uh, the uh, um, the master master investigator. Uh, it's it's it, things are moving forward. Okay, but uh, some new news has come out of Arizona in regards to the handling of military ballots from our uh, servicemen working overseas ladies and gentlemen uh so that is most uh that is most concerning when we learn that uh not only in the state of arizona but appears like in georgia michigan and other states those um those military votes were being stolen from president trump and being given to uh lord knows who i guess illegitimate joe because they needed it of course in order to fill in uh, the blanks, uh, that is uh, that is the failure of the Biden administration in the election. It's like he said, guys. He said, "I don't need you to win. I need you after I win." Now, uh, the final so, uh, the final section of the Arizona State Friends audit, just to, to give you guys a quick update, had to do with the Splunk logs, right, and the routers uh, for that investigation. And uh, we had uh, we had Senate President Karen Fan stating that the Attorney General of Arizona, Mark Brnovich, has spoken to numerous people in regards to this criminal investigation. So not just that leak that we had from, uh, who was it? Uh, it was the former, the former uh, recorder, right, of, of, of uh, Maricopa County. Uh, uh, was it? I, Al Fontes keeps coming up to my head, but I know it's not Al Fontes. Anyways, the former recorder, who's now running for office again, uh, leaked this uh, this interaction between he and uh, one of Brnovich's uh, attorney general representatives. And it amounted to a hill of beans, right? And uh, I think it was purposefully it was purpose purposefully written to uh, make us lose faith in their investigation. But apparently, it's moving forward. So let's check out this article here. I think this is from the Gateway Pundit. 
and uh, it has to do with uh, these overseas and military ballots, guys, being stolen. So it says here, uh, shocking testimony reveals Democrats were stealing overseas and military ballots from Michigan, Georgia, and now Arizona, too. Ooh, boy, those rats. Okay, let's see what it has to say. It says, last Monday, the Arizona Senate reconvened. During a a Senate session, the discussion turned to the uh, UOCAVA voters. The voters covered under the Uniform Overseas Civilian Absentee Voting Act, UOCAVA. UOCAVA. These are the men and women who are serving their country in the military and send in a mail-in vote from where they are stationed outside the country. The act officially covers members of the United States Uniformed Services and Merchant Marines, uh, their family members and United States citizens residing outside the United States. During the hearing, Paul Harris, a Maricopa resident and veteran in corporate executive management, spoke to the committee. Harris was a manager during the audit of the Maricopa County audit of the 2020 election ballots. Paul Harris was tasked with overseeing the UO Cava ballots during the audit. He described his experience. Okay, so we're not going to read this experience because we're actually going to watch it uh, where he's talking about what uh, he saw during this uh, this this um, testimony. Now, it says here, this testimony by Paul Harris is very similar to what we witnessed in Michigan and Georgia. Uh, the Gateway Pundit reported on this extensively. The Michigan Senate Oversight Committee held a hearing in Lansing on election fraud and irregularities in December 2020. Uh, President Trump was ahead of Joe Biden in Michigan on election night when all of a sudden they stopped counting votes, just like in Venezuela. And at around 4.30 a.m. after election day, a massive ballot dump of more than 130,000 votes appeared for Joe Biden in Michigan. Okay, so let's go ahead and take a look at that uh, testimony. And then we'll see where that takes us from there, guys. It's, it is alarming, guys, but this is brand new testimony. Uh, as the article states, it is from this past Monday. So that would not be uh, yesterday, but the prior to. So this was, uh, uh, this was during a reconvening of the Arizona Senate. So let's, let's pull up that beautiful bean footage. Good afternoon, Madam Chair and Senators. My name is Paul Harris, and I stand in support of this bill. I'm a Maricopa resident. I live in Peoria. I have 25-plus years in corporate executive management for national companies and brands and organizational process and efficiency processes. So because of my background, I was actually asked to be a manager at the audit for the second session, where I managed multiple tables and trained the incoming table managers. When the tallying portion was done, I was trained and then became the lead trainer for the incoming volunteers for the photographic forensic portion of the audit and was the floor manager for the last few weeks of quality control. I was there when the last pallet at the auditorium left. My name is on the chain of custody forms of hundreds of thousands of ballots. So because of the accuracy and efficiency of my teams, we were tasked with tallying of the damaged ballots, large print ballots, braille ballots, and the special ballots set aside by the Senate. I specifically had the Senate liaison, the Secretary of State's observers, and John Branke at my tables every day, multiple times a day. But specifically, I was tasked with doing the UOCAVA ballots. A UOCAVA ballot is the Uniform Overseas Civilian 
absentee voting act ballot. That ballot is sent out to our men and women who work overseas and for our federal people that work overseas to get a chance to vote in the election. Seconds. This is what a ballot looks like that goes out to everybody, right? 11 and a half by 19 ballot. When I opened up the boxes of ballots, this is what a ballot looks like. That's a UACABA ballot. You know what that is? That's an eight and a half by 11 white sheet of copy paper. Did you all know that our ballots come back like this from our overseas people? Did any of you know this? It was such a sham that I had people every day at my tables counting the picture, taking pictures of these ballots that were scanned down. The ballots are scanned. It took my teams three complete days to count all of the UACABA ballots. You know why? Because in 2016, the numbers were apparently there were 1,600 UACABA ballots that came back in the most significant election of our lifetime. In 2020, the numbers were close to 9,600 ballots that came back. And I will tell you as an eyewitness, as an eyewitness, 95% because I was asked to tally these personally by the Senate liaisons, all went towards one candidate. And in a state where this, that candidate won by a little over 10,000 votes, that is a net gain of 8,000 new votes during an election when people were brought home because there was a pandemic. And because our federal people, our, 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 our military people were brought home. I'll take any questions. My daughter voted via email. Mm -hmm. She's in Maryland and voted via email. Is that what you're talking about? They printed out the emails or what are we talking about? It was here? a printed out email. And I can tell you that when I opened the boxes, the shock of people that saw these boxes opened up with me was so, it, it literally shocked all of us because these pieces of paper were just stacked, laid on top of one another, wrapped around the edge. There was no form or reason to them. There was no process to them. There was no ballot attached to where this ballot came from. It's just a ballot that's been scanned on a piece of paper. Well, shoot, I guess I could have just printed off thousands of ballots and figured out a way to get them somewhere because I want to know how. I want to know how as a business person and as a voter, how thousands of ballots are just scanned and who counts these? Who tallies these? Because with my teams that it took us literally my teams could do about 3,000 ballots in a per, per setting of, of actual ballots going around the tables, right? My teams could do those. It took my teams three days, each, to each table, three days, two sessions each every day to count these because we, had to look, we couldn't touch them. So we had to actually try to look at them because the ballot is scanned down onto this. Can I ask you a question on yes, that? Yes, ma'am. Was it a printed email with the name of the person? No. It, was it a There's filled no out? It, did somebody fill out a ballot for the person who emailed? We, we have no idea. All I know is that it was an emailed ballot that comes out like this, and there's no chain of custody. There's no identifying numbers on the ballot. There's nothing to identify where this piece of paper came from. And I will say this. If people want to ask where to find out where this stuff is. It's really easy because every one of those boxes that are under chain of custody have my name on them sitting somewhere here. I like to find out where those are. And then here's my next question. What happened in Pinal? What happened in Yuma? What happened in Yavapai? What happened in all the other counties when we had an 8,000 net gain of ballots this election year? Do we even know how many federal employees we have outside 
of Maricopa County that vote absentee? Do we have that number? I know, Sonny, I've asked you to look. I've, I know you've looked. We don't have that number. As a matter of fact, we've at the audit, at the audit, have done a, a request of information from the federal government on how many actual UACABA ballots were out or expected to come back federally. And I will tell you that the last number we heard that Maricopa County, not Arizona, made up for more than 20% of the nation's UACABA ballots. Can somebody explain that one to me? Is, is Jen Marsden still here? Jen, would you, be, would you yield to Jen for a minute and see if she can explain to us the process of uh, how do we know about UACABA and then who transfers those emails onto a ballot uh, and uh, what tell us educate us on this, madam Jen. chair i will try so okay with the uocava voter you got to remember that they can't always return their ballot the way that we return ballots when we live here right? right so we allow for them to return ballots via fax for example that fax comes into a secure portal at the secretary of state's office the secretary of state's office contacts the county where that uocava voter is casting their ballot and says we have a secure form from a uocava voter we're going to send it to you. Yeah, it probably does get printed out on regular paper because, it, yeah, it, it does. Guys, a hundred percent, it does because have dialogue back and that's like how that. it, the system works. So then, what happens is that a board of two people of opposing parties look at that transmission that came in from that voter, and they have to transfer those votes onto a piece of paper that can be tabulated through our tabulation equipment. Okay, let me stop you there. Yes, the board of two people. Who verifies the parties of the people who are there in that board? Who verifies that that person is a Republican and that person is a Democrat? Madam Chair, someone's going to text me if I'm wrong. It's the county. They, they, the, those people come in and either they're temporary workers from the county, they're full-time employees of the county, and the county checks their voter registration records to make sure that they have opposing party people doing and, this work. And who selects them, the party or the county? Who selects them? Madam Chair, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's the county, but let me find out who selects them. Okay. Because, of course, we want confidence in who those folks are. Okay. Right? Yep. So we want to know who's choosing them and who's verifying their party status and whatnot. Absolutely. So like and, Madam Chair, I understand and I, I know you're, I can tell the gentleman next to me is very frustrated and passionate and concerned, and I appreciate all of that. But that is not an example of the system not working. That is actually an example of the system working the way the legislature lined it up. It was Mr. Payton's bill years okay. ago so when we allowed gonna, for that. What I'd like to do is let's learn a little bit more about stuff that we, you know, behind the scenes that we don't know that okay. we can add to policy to change that and tighten it up. Okay. Okay, good. Was there anything else, sir, that you wanted to add? Thank you, Jen. Yes, um, Madam Chair, and I don't know who to address this to, maybe Ms. Uh, Morrison uh, or not, but uh, but Mr. Harris, how do you know that that's the, what you, you, that piece of paper you saw was an original and not a copy of a copy the, of a copy? There, there's no way to know that is the, is the point. And, and again, we were more shocked by the volume of, of ballots that it, that it wasn't, again, so if it took two people, let me just say it took two people. It took a team of five in eight-hour sessions, basically, to tabulate, to tally all those ballots, ballots that came through. I mean, so two people doing it, that's impressive. Love to know, know how long it took them to do it, to get, the, to get the vote in time for us to call the race in Arizona. Just saying. 
because it took my team of five, six including me, to tally those ballots, just the Uacavas. Okay. Madam Chair, I mean, this Madam Chair, this is what, this is what uh, I'm, I'm having a difficult time with. We don't have that many guardsmen deployed. We don't have that many, I mean, that was, we're talking about the winding down of Afghanistan and almost a skeleton crew in Iraq of, of, of active duty deployed. When I was in the Marines, I voted absentee. I, I actually had a ballot. I never heard of this vote by email. Well, you but, had a ballot, uh, but you sent it in somehow. Yeah, and of course, I'm convinced none of my absentee ballots ever made it in because I don't trust the post. Okay, anyway, but um, especially if you're on ship, there's no, there really is no mail buoy out there. Everybody just, anyway. Um, but I'm having a hard time grasping this nine, what, 9,800? 9,600 plus, yes, close to 10,000. What in 2016 we had what? A little over 1600. 1600. Which and we, we don't might have make more many, sense. Our entire guard is not even that many people, and we don't have anybody deployed. This is okay. okay. These are these are things that really need to be looked at. And then once again, we don't have no way of knowing that that piece of paper that you pulled out of the boxes was a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. So really, realistically, the chain of custody on that is kind of like out the door. Correct. I will say, if I can, may speak to the other, you know, when yes, I when I opened the other boxes that were actual ballots, chain of custody was there. I mean, I did see chain of custody. We did on the on the label of the box and all the. This label just was written Uacava. We opened them up. There's not there weren't batch sheets in between all of them like we saw with the other ballots that we would see. There weren't all those. There weren't the again, which is why I had the Secretary of State's observers and Ken, uh, Ken Bennett and John Branke at my tables both times while all these were being counted, while photos were being taken, not just from all the cameras that were overly redundant during the audit from on the table, which saw everything and the above, but the actual took pictures of these because we needed to show how this, how is this possible that in 2020, we were sending in ballots on hammer mill or whatever it is, Eight and a half by 11 white copy paper. So just to dial us closer back into the bill, um, one of the reasons they're Uokavas and, and they can't get one of these to send back. Correct. So we're, we're going to have to solve that issue. We're going to have to look at that. Um, West Virginia has a unique way of doing it, but we're going to talk about it here because it's not on the agenda. Um, so this we've got work to do, and uh, I appreciate your... Your testimony would love to sit down with you and, and talk more Absolutely. On, on this. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Madam Thank Chair. You. Yes. I just wanted to add that um, those um, Yubakaba um, ballots also include family members of our uh, military people that are also living abroad. Thank you. Thank you. And to that point, I think probably. The, the number one goal, and I have said this in every elections committee hearing, is voter confidence. And when we have this kind of loosey-goosey kind of way, regardless of what side you're on, it, it stirs the imagination of the voter. So if there's a way that we can tighten it up, we're not trying to suppress anybody's vote. We just want to uh, increase the confidence that there wasn't a bunch of copies ran off. And, there's, you know, and so we all need to learn more about the process. And if we see things like this that we could tighten up, 
um, easy to vote, hard to cheat, right? So that's the idea. So we, as we're going through this last um, season, two years now, we've learned quite a bit and we're not here to try and take anyone's vote. We just want to increase the confidence of the voters so the voter will actually go to the polls and vote. Okay, anybody else? Cindy Sullivan. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, before I get all of you guys staring at what I view, <laughs> Welcome back. All right. That was that not very interesting. Uh, very interesting there. Uh, so this big battle about the Yukawa votes, you got uh, you got the muzzled people whom, you know, obviously whose side they're on. And then you have uh, those who feel like they're doing their their due diligence in regards to uh, the work that is happening there within that office. And then, of course, you have, um, you have, uh, I mean, are they really, or are they just, you know, totally bought off and paid for? I don't know, guys, but that investigation will continue as we see it unfolding. We will, uh, keep you guys abreast on all of that. So that is a big, that is a big, uh, moment there happening now because we heard about, uh, the, uh, military votes. Now these ones obviously were specifically pertaining to, the uh, the Uakava, the uh, servicemen who are abroad, the absentee ballots of that nature. Whereas we're looking at, um, you know, uh, the military ballots here that were found dumped and stuff like that. But in this case, they're getting stolen. In this case, they're getting sh sent back in uh, in what Xerox copy, you know, that don't, don't stand for uh, much as far as a ballot is concerned. But apparently this is part of their uh, actual part of their actual process. So, uh, and, and again, again, this is all about, uh, this is all about being able to pinpoint where, uh, things need to be fixed or they need to be, uh, adjusted. Definitely identified ladies and gentlemen, I think would probably be, uh, probably be the, uh, the main, the main point to a lot of what they are talking about. All right, with that said, we're going to get to the uh, final two stories for tonight. Both of these are concerning coronavirus. Yep, coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let's just jump into these so this way uh, we can share. Now, the reason, okay, so the first story I'm going to share with you guys about Corona because we talk about COVID-19, coronavirus here, um, you know, on occasion. It's not the topic du jour per se at the Sea Report, although we are absolutely uh, more than willing to share breaking information. But uh, <laughs> is there one Democrat with morals? Well, That'd be the first one I met, right? Because I used to think Tulsi Gabbard was one, but, uh, well, uh, she's shilling for uh, Klaus Schwab, and I don't care what she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe some of the things that she's saying right now are helping to move the conversation in another direction from the mainstream, mainstream, big news, legacy, mockingbird, propagandist media. But she's ultimately shilling for Klaus Schwab, so I have no love for her. Anyhow, to get back to Corona Rona, um, the Rona Corona guys. Um, okay. So, uh, uh, the first story I want to share with you guys has to deal with a connection between coronavirus 19 and all of its, uh, variants and HIV. Now one might ask, well, Mr. C, 
why would you want to share a story about HIV and COVID-19? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's because in the, uh, in the field of putting one and one together, ladies and gentlemen, I, I still, I, for the life of me, would think it to be so amusing if someone who was alive and cognizant in the 70s and 80s, right, could remember seeing a young gay Dr. Fauci on TV talking about the HIV epidemic and, uh, and, and all of that. Because uh, who would have thunk it that Dr. Fauci was on the scene, he was on the case when we're talking about HIV or gay cancer or AIDS or what have you. And of course, the medications that uh, you know the pharmaceutical industry produced that essentially saved them from going bankrupt because they did not have the funds. Well, step in AIDS and then step in Dr. Fauci selling this medicine that led to the death of thousands of Americans and people around the world. What is What are the odds that Dr. Fauci was the face in publicity that was handling that situation? And so for that very reason, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to share the first story with you guys tonight about uh, something very interesting with uh, the connection to COVID-19 and HIV. Now, Slick Shoe over there on Twitch says he literally made autoimmune deficiency syndrome. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Fauci is responsible for AIDS. And now, I know uh, I don't have the uh, articles here to back it up, back it up, back it up, but um, I've read articles that state to the effect that those who have taken the vaccines or the gene therapy serums for coronavirus 19 now have not all of them but some of these people are now having autoimmune deficiencies or what is being called um, um immune system uh, um distortions or immune system defects which in another world could be called autoimmune deficiency or you know the likes so um, uh, basically, uh, these vaccines are giving people AIDS or HIV. It's it's hindering their immune uh, immune ability to fight off diseases and other such things. So uh, the, Fauci again, guys, is the main connector here. Okay, Fauci is the main connector. Now we have a story coming out of South Africa, ladies and gentlemen, wherein an HIV positive patient who was infected with COVID-19 developed 21 different mutations, ladies and gentlemen. You see, this is all, this, th does this not all go hand in hand? Does this not seem like it's all related? Where you have the, uh, the creator, the purveyor, and the spreader of AIDS, one. And you know, you know, you look at Dr. Fauci back in the 70s and the 80s and his, 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 uh, mousy brown hair parted to the side with his little glasses. You know, he was down at Studio 54 taking it up, you know what, in the back rooms. And yet he's up there acting like, you know, he's the more 
morally astute individual. I don't don't even tell me Dr. Fauci ain't ever played those games before. Please don't even bother sticking up for his moral compass. Look at what he's done to the world. You know, you know he was sitting up there proud of destroying the culture that he wholeheartedly participated in. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. It's disgusting. Okay, it's disgusting and it is totally amoral. And now we see that uh, he's been, he has been the number one link here, guy. He has been the number one link here in all of this, okay? The man needs to suffer a thousand deaths, okay? And I don't say that, guys. You know I don't say that. You know what I say? May justice be served. But that might not be enough in the case of Fauci. So it says here, a South African woman suffering from a poorly controlled HIV who also had COVID-19 for nine months saw the CCP virus develop at least 21 mutations while in her body. That means she not only had the Omicron, the Lambda, the Zeta, the Theta, the Beta, the Gamma. She had like all of these unknown variants. All of these unknown variants, ladies and gentlemen. The woman, 22, was able to overcome the CCP virus, which causes COVID-19 within six to nine weeks after she started taking antiretroviral medication that is used to treat HIV. Oh, how interesting. So she took HIV medicine and that helped her conquer COVID-19. So I guess that means for all of those HIV positive, they're not just positive, they're HIV positive patients out there. Uh, I guess that could that be a spark of hope for them, right? I mean, I guess that that seems to be what that would like uh, indicate. But don't quote me because I am not a doctor nor a scientist. Uh, but this was according to researchers at the Stellenbosch and the University of KwaZulu Natal. They concluded that increased vigilance is warranted among HIV patients who contract COVID-19 to prevent the emergence of COVID-19 variants. Notably, the Omicron variant was first discovered in South Africa in November of 2021, and U.S. health officials say it's now the dominant strain across the United States. This case, like others before, describes a potential pathway for the emergence of novel variants, the scientist said in the preprint study, adding that it is still a, a, a hypothesis and much more data is needed. Our experience reinforces previous reports that effective antiretroviral treatment is the key to controlling such events. South Africa has the world's largest HIV epidemic, about 8.2 million out of its 60 million people population is infected with the virus. According to the researchers, the patient observed in the study had developed around 10 mutations on the CCP virus spike protein, which allows it to bind to cells along with 11 other mutations. Some of the mutations were similar to those seen in Omicron and Lambda. Ladies and gentlemen, I thought Lambda was just something I came up in my uh, sarcastically creative little brain there. I didn't think that the gays actually had a variant. Anyways, okay. Whereas others were consistent with mutations that allow the virus to bypass antibodies. Yeah, I thought I thought that just came from my snarky little mind. Anyways, okay, so 
Once again, our experience reinforces previous reports that effective antiretroviral drugs are the key to controlling such events. Once HIV replication is brought under control and immune recon uh, reconstitution commences, rapid clearance of the CCP virus is achieved probably even before full immune reconstitution occurs, they said. This underscores the broader point that gaps in the HIV care cascade need to be closed, which will benefit other conditions and public health problems too, including COVID-19. Meanwhile, after weeks of Omicron spreading through the country, some South African experts said they are optimistic that the country has reached a turning point. The Omicron uh, wave now accounts for less than 5% of all of the deaths that have occurred due to COVID-19 in South Africa since the start of the pandemic. Vaccinologist Shabir Mahiti, a professor of the University of Witwatersrand, told CBS News on Monday. While more COVID-19 variants may emerge, he believes the worst of the two-year-long pandemic is over. I'm highly optimistic that we have reached a turning point in this pandemic, Madhiti said. I can't see us revisiting what we experienced during the course of the first three waves in South Africa. So an interesting article there on uh, another link here with HIV and um, Omicron, COVID-19, Lambda, Zeta, Theta, Beta, Gamma, whatever variant you want to call it. Uh, this here I have actually is the uh, the abstract, the study on that case from uh, this 22-year-old uh, 20, female in South Africa talking about uh, her developing 20 different... 20 plus different mutations of COVID-19. Uh, and it all goes back to Fauci. Ladies and gentlemen, it all goes back to Fauci. Which is most disconcerting. It's a connection that I think deserves to be made. And it is justice that most definitely needs to be served. Because one has to wonder exactly how long has this man been doing this for? Well, at least three or four decades, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, the last story we'll share with you guys today, this one is also from the Epoch Times. And uh, this has to do with a, uh, a study being done in Japan that finds that ivermectin is actually absolutely effective in its fight against om om Omicron. I'm saying Omicron. Omicron. And I'm sure other versions of COVID-19 as we're seeing, you know, uh, we're seeing so many people being harassed and censored in regards to sharing this knowledge. Well, I'm on Spotify also, guys. I guess that means that they're going to start uh, COVID checking my uh, podcast. Jeez Louise. Okay, let's see what this has to say here. This is an underreported story about ivermectin in Japan. Ivermectin shows antiviral effect against Omicron, Japanese pharma firm. A Japanese conglomerate that is studying the antiparasitic drug ivermectin has found that the medication had an antiviral effect on Omicron, according to joint non-clinical research. Uh, Koa Company Limited, a conglomerate with the interests in trading, hospitality, and electronics, along with health and medical applications, issued a press release on January 31st, stating that ivermectin has been found to be effective against Omicron in in vitro studies. 
The firm is also in the process of carrying out a phase three clinical trial on the use of ivermectin to treat COVID-19 patients, though the company's remarks on effectiveness pertain to findings of lab-based research. COA representatives did not respond to a request for comment by press time. The company, working with Kitasota University, based in Tokyo, said that ivermectin has the same antiviral effect on all mutant strains, including Alpha, Delta, and Omicron. COA added that ivermectin suppresses invasion of the virus and inhibits its replication. Ivermectin is expected to be applied as a therapeutic drug tablet for all new coronavirus infectious diseases, the report said. Ivermectin has been used by the World Health Organization for over 30 years to treat parasitic infections. Volunteers have distributed the drug in African countries where it has been found to be extremely effective, said the COA report. However, the treatment has been mired in controversy during recent times as, of course, the United States Food and Drug Administration has not approved the use of ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19. Now, this is another fact of life here, guys, that I full-heartedly believe is going to bring down the medical, pharmaceutical, industrial complex and is going to expose these uh, mandating agencies of government for being... The falsehoods that they are. Because after all, these studies are known. These studies are practiced. These studies have, um, you know, a peer-reviewed research and experimentation. And yet you have some agency coming out of left field, has nothing to do with science or research, but has everything to do with implementation and regulation, saying that uh, it is not effective and it doesn't work. When they have government-backed people, government-backed scientists and, uh, you know, pharmaceutical individuals that are being paid to say that ivermectin is not effective. Uh, So that's part of the, the great awakening there, even though the drug is used in humans to treat a variety of conditions. The FDA has refused to respond to a Freedom of Information Act request asking for details about any reports of side effects related to the use of ivermectin in treating COVID-19 while publicly denouncing its usage. The federal government pays hospitals across the country to treat COVID-19 patients, but the payment is tied to approved methods and ivermectin is not part of the protocol. However, families desperate to save their loved ones are resorting to secretly sneaking the drug into hospitals as a last-ditch effort that often ends up helping the infected person recover. All or part of 22 countries around the globe have approved the use of ivermectin in the treatment of COVID-19 based on multiple studies. Japan has not yet approved ivermectin for the treatment of COVID-19. A bill has been presented to make New Hampshire the first state in the country to make ivermectin part of the approved COVID-19 treatments and offer it as an over-the-counter medication. I have absolutely no doubt lives will be saved if human-grade ivermectin was available to COVID patients. State Representative Leah Cushman, a Republican and also a registered nurse, told the Epoch Times about her proposed bill, HB 3005. 
The detractors are using the, the detractors of using ivermectin have claimed that the drug is extremely dangerous. I would never want this medication prescribed to myself or my family and would take legal action against anyone who recommended this to my loved ones. Dr. David Levine of Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center. I wonder if this person is related to, uh, you know, Dr. Levine, you know, the trans hooker that's working for, uh, you know, you know, uh, Victoria Millie's uh, boyfriend, girlfriend thing there, that thing. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, anyways, getting back to this, that's, that's what Dr. Levine of Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center wrote in his statement about the bill. Dr. Paul Merrick, a supporter of using ivermectin, testified that ivermectin is one of the safest drugs on the face of this planet. Merrick, who's a co-founder of the physician-comprised advocacy group Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, said ivermectin is approved for the treatment of viruses in 79 countries, which is more than hydroxychloroquine, I might add. Or no, they were 60 years. Anyways, so somehow Japanese people, Indian people, Brazilian people can tolerate it safely, but it's toxic to Americans? Sounds like this is a smart drug remedy right because uh, apparently it's dangerous to americans but it's safe for everyone else that it must be a smart uh it must be a smart type of uh, antiviral uh, medication uh, and then of course merrick said you've got to be kidding me yes we kid we kid dr merrick we kid merrick was forced to resign from his position at the eastern virginia medical school over legal battles regarding the usage of alternate treatments for covid 19 including using ivermectin what an interesting story for us there ladies and gentlemen uh, and that's one that is not making the rounds apparently apparently that one uh, is be this story is being underreported not by the independents like us here at the foxhole but most definitely by all other news agencies that are a part of the alliance of the mainstream fake stream legacy um of mockingbird propagandist media you know they are going to be sitting on the I have one more story for you guys okay <laughs> I totally almost forgot it. Okay, one more story, guys, and we'll call it a wraps. This is an interesting story. Uh, did I think that we would have Nipple Rings Cuomo on our screen again, ladies and gentlemen? Did I really think that Nipple Rings Cuomo would be part of the conversation? Well, it is. Um, because, you know, okay, so first of all, guys, we have Nipple Rings Cuomo killing all the elderly people over there at the uh, rehabilitation centers and the nursing homes, right? Then he gets slapped with sexual assault lawsuits, right? And we just know that these sexual harassment cases are to cover over or push to the side anything that is happening with these uh, nursing home COVID-19 death scandals, right? Okay. Now hear this, America. There is a district attorney in New York that has dropped the last sexual harassment criminal case. Ladies and gentlemen, this man's getting away with murder. This man's getting away scot-free, okay? Because the sexual harassment cases, as we assessed here at the C-Report, was all about covering up over the COVID-19 nursing home death scandals. It did its job. It got him removed. 
It got him off the hook, just as we thought it would. And now they've dropped all of the criminal cases against him for harassment. Isn't that convenient? Ladies and gentlemen, doesn't it just make your stomach turn? Ladies and gentlemen, it makes my stomach turn. It absolutely makes my stomach turn. This is from the New York Post, and we'll call tonight a wrap. This is semi-related to COVID-19, right? Because after all, the COVID-19 nursing home death scandal. Yeah, you guys feel me, don't you? DA drops Andrew Cuomo's last sexual harassment criminal case. The New York Post reports... An upstate district attorney's office is dropping its criminal investigation of sexual harassment allegations against Nipple Rings Cuomo, shutting down the last of five criminal cases involving the disgraced ex-governor. But Oswego DA Gregory Oaks told the Post on Monday that while there's not sufficient legal basis to bring charges based on allegations of unwanted physical contact by accuser Virginia Limiatis, This decision is not an exoneration. After a thorough review of the available evidence and applicable law, the Oswego County District Attorney's Office has concluded that there is not a sufficient legal basis to bring criminal charges against former Governor Andrew Cuomo based upon the allegations of unwanted physical contact made by Virginia Liamidas. Oaks said in statement on Monday. To be clear, the decision is based solely upon an assessment of the law and whether the people can establish a legally sufficient case under controlling precedent. In no way should we uh, should this decision be interpreted as casting doubt upon the character or credibility of Mrs. Uh, Liamidas or how harmful the acts she experienced were, he added. Oaks told The Post in a phone interview that he's worked special victims cases for 20 years and believes Liamidas' description of events. Now, here you see Cuomo and Liamidas in an undated photo. And look at this, guys. Look at this. He's almost cupping that booby. You see that? He's like, let me grab that booby. And she looks like, oh, don't grab my booby again. Look at, look at that. Look at, look at that. Okay, enough with the booby. Okay, let's move on. Hey, are we stuck on this photo now? Oh, Lord. Oh, lordy. There we go. Okay. All right. Uh, Carrying on and carrying forward with this story. There's the woman. Okay. Here they are. Who's this? Is this... uh, Oswego DA Oaks said there's not sufficient. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, so it says, uh, in no way should this be a positive reflection on Andrew Cuomo. Uh, This decision is not an exoneration. Leomitis, 55, an employee of National Grid in Syracuse, accused Cuomo of touching her chest during a conservation event in Oswego County in May 2017. She came forward after hearing the governor's remarks in March that he had never touched anyone inappropriately, according to a report released in the 168-page bombshell August 3rd by State Attorney General Letitia James. Cuomo not only touched my chest inappropriately, but whispered in my ear afterwards to make up a patently ridiculous excuse to cover up his behavior. 
Liam Adis told the Post in a statement Monday in response to the DA dropping criminal charges, I immediately spoke to multiple people about what Cuomo had done to me, precisely because I was so disturbed and upset by it. At the same time, I did not report him publicly because he was the governor and I was fearful of him, she said. The closing of the Oswego case follows the lead of similar investigations opened by the district attorney's office in Nassau, Westchester, Albany, and Manhattan after James released the findings of her criminal of her civil investigation that stated Cuomo broke multiple state and federal laws. Oakes said it would be impossible to establish all of the necessary elements to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt, echoing Albany County DA David Soar's reasoning for declining to prosecute the misdemeanor criminal charges filed by Brittany Camisso against Cuomo, who alleged the ex-pole grabbed her breasts during the work day in Executive Mansion in December 2020. Do you see how this was all very, very convenient, ladies and gentlemen? Very convenient that uh, you had all these cases that would be not provable, no, not, nothing findable when it goes to court, and thereby alleviating him of the entire nursing home death scandal. Guys, I mean, it's, it is sickening, okay? After watching her prior testimony and taking, talking with her, I found her to be reliable and reasonable, seemingly motivated only by an earnest desire to do the right thing, and she was plainly upset by her interaction with then Governor Cuomo as she expressed immediately to her friends and family, said Oaks. There's Letitia James. There's a, I'm going to get Trump arrested. I'm going to get him no matter what. So vote for me for Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. The article continues, knowing that then governor would use his bully pulpit to deny the allegations and perhaps attempt to discredit her. She nevertheless, nevertheless stepped forward to tell her truth during the attorney general's investigation she has further made herself available to my office. I commend her bravery and respect her courage. Soar similarly found Camiso cooperative and credible, but after review of all the available evidence, we have concluded that we cannot meet our burden at trial. Cuomo spokesman Rich Azopardi reiterated his past criticism of James's report, blasting her political aspirations to run for governor as a motivation for the probe and included photos of the ex-governor and Leomidas interacting during the 2017 event. Enclosed, you will find the photos of what the Oswego District Attorney has been investigating for months, demonstrating what a farce this has been from the beginning, said Azio Party, who concluded two photos of Cuomo and Leomidas. As now five DAs have verified, none of the accusations in Tish James' fraud of a report have stood up to any level of real scrutiny. This has always been a political hit job to further the Attorney General's own ambitions, which both reeks of prosecutorial misconduct and has wasted millions of taxpayer dollars. As we've said since the beginning, the truth will come out, he added. Cuomo's personal attorney, Rita Glavin, reclaimed the AG's report, hid those photos from the public, arguing they indisputably showed that Governor Cuomo did not act improperly. James' report does, does include a footnote confirming the executive chamber provided the photos and follow-up interviews with investigators were conducted with Leomidas after she testified under oath on June 9, 2021. 
Miss Leamidis identified the photographs as almost certainly being from the May 24, 2017 event and explained that it was difficult for her to even review the photographs because they brought a flood of negative emotions about the incident, including shame, reads the report description. The report also adds in a footnote that investigators interviewed attendee number one who recounted the events in a manner consistent not only with his declaration, but also with Miss Leamidis' testimony. We also interviewed the two additional attendees Mrs. Leamidis testified she had spoken to at the event. Both attendees corroborated Ms. Leamidis' testimony. However, unlike attendee number one, these two attendees did not recall Ms. Leamidis being outwardly upset at the event, said the report. Not every violation of law results in a criminal prosecution. This decision does not mean Cuomo acted appropriately or lawfully towards Ms. Leamidis or any of the other women who came forward or that he did not cause them significant harm, said Marianne Wang, attorney for Leamidis in a statement. A spokesperson for James defended the report, arguing Cuomo and Glavin continued to conveniently omit the fact that the former governor himself asked the attorney general's office to conduct this investigation and have made up or misstated information to fit their own narrative of events. Very interesting article here and very disheartening to see only because I could have guessed that this was a cover-up from the beginning. Ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sure many of my audience members deduced themselves, when this thing came forward, guys, it was to cover up over the nursing home death scandal. And here we see some months later in 2022 that that is exactly the case. Ladies and gentlemen, may justice be served and may something come of the uh, indignity and the death suffered at the hands of Cuomo by the people of New York and indeed by the uh, people of uh, the states of Michigan and Washington and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will wrap up tonight's show for the Sea Report. Thank you all kindly for hanging out there in the bouts. And uh, I am most definitely uh, happy and, uh, uh, you know, thankful, grateful for your presence and for your attendance tonight, guys. Uh, we will be back at it again tomorrow on as many networks as will have us um, for our one-year anniversary uh, shindig. We'll see how that goes, guys. And, uh, well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, in the meantime and in between time, ladies and gentlemen, as always, have a great night. Be safe. Be blessed. And God bless America. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you. <laughs>